the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the NFL wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals from USA Today. With me is co-host Seth Cox from TheVengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals sign, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. It's our second show of the week as we we are now in week one. This is kind of the, kind of the format I think we're going to try and do most of the season. We will do our game review Tuesday night, publishing Wednesday, um, look ahead to the upcoming game recording Thursday, posting Friday, and I will have a third show um, posting Saturday as well. So we, we should have more content more often. Seth, I, I can't wait. Um, although I'm like, I'm not nearly as excited. Like I'm, I'm not as optimistic as I felt I was going to be coming into, coming into the season, but at least now we have actual football games and oh my gosh, the chiefs, the, the lions with the upset and made me a, a smart person. It made me look smart on my underdog picks of the week for Sportsbook Wire. Every every week on Thursday, I publish my three underdog picks of the week. I wasn't bold enough to pick the Lions on the money line, but I did have them cover the spread. And boy, that did they do that, winning twenty-one to twenty. The NFL's officially here, Seth. We have a game in the books. Yeah, and it was a terrible game. Uh, not fun to watch in the least. There were some big plays, but. For the most part, you're kind of seeing the um, the evolution of of the game, in the sense that you know if you don't have wide receivers, even if you have the best quarterback alive, it it makes things a little more difficult, right? And it does. so, well, and and Travis so, Kelsey, honestly, he's such a difference maker. He is, and so that's the thing is like you know they can get by. Because Travis Kelsey is basically, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, but um, they can't get by if they're missing him, and then you know that's what they have at wide receiver, and so it just made. And the game... they don't have their their best defensive player clogging the middle either. That that's right. Well, yeah, I mean that's, and it's an interesting dynamic because you know, it's it is telling of of how the NFL itself works and how fragile, even with great players, um, everything is right. Like it takes one, just one thing, like you're saying, and, and obviously the Kelsey injury is huge, but it takes one thing to disrupt the entirety of it. And that one thing's the Chris Jones contract situation. And so you look at it, you know, the 49ers just doled out the largest defensive contract in NFL history to, to Nick Bosa um, because, quite frankly, they were like, oh, we can't let this go. <laughs> like, like we can't. We And the funny thing is, I think it would have got done tomorrow after tonight's game, right? Because they would have been like, holy crap, like that guy is that important to the Chiefs, then Bosa is that important for us. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so it just it just shows the fragility of the NFL. And, like, you know, you can have 
you know, you can have all these different stars and obviously the Cardinals right now are in a different, but if you're, if you don't have the key piece or, or you're reliant on a piece like a Chris Jones, man, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. What we're going to talk about in this show, this is all about Cardinals commanders. Let's start with the injury situation because we, we we're recording on Thursday night, so we don't have final injury reports, but what we do know right now, offensive line depth looks like an issue because we talked about on the show just a couple nights ago, the Cardinals felt good about their top eight. They liked their starters, and they had three guys on the bench that they're like, yeah, it doesn't look like, well, two are on IR, Dennis Daly, John Gaines, and now the only remaining player of that eight-man group is Kelvin Beecham, who missed practice. Uh, with a hand injury on Thursday, putting in doubt his availability. Now, this is not nearly as impactful as, say, last season when he started every game because they have their starting offensive line intact. But now that leaves, if he's unable to play, it leaves four, or rather three players, four players, leaves four players as the backups who haven't played a snap for the Cardinals. You've got Carter O'Donnell, their tackle, uh, Keith Ismail, former commander's guard in center, Tristan Colon, and and then El Manning. So four guys who weren't on the roster before final cuts, and they are the, the offensive line depth. It, it, and, and ultimately, does it matter if no one gets hurt during the game from the starting offensive line? But whew, that's not the way you want to start the year. No, it's not. And, you know, again, when you look at it, it's so different because we're talking about, you know, backups that were basically waiver wire pickups, right, a couple days ago or a week ago. And so it's just it's just a different situation, um, you know, that the Cardinals are in, but it's it's still not envious. The fact that their starters are healthy is important. I mean, we can't overlook that, but it is a uh incredibly paper thin margin at this point right and that's that's kind of the scary aspect of it yes and that's just you know Kelvin Beecham getting hurt wouldn't it be great to have a guy like Josh Jones on the roster right and that was one of the <laughs> that was just one of the questions we had about the whole situation right yeah like, and I get why that happened but you know I wrote a piece a few days ago um, over the weekend that, that said, you know, the Cardinals, there were four moves this offseason that were bad football moves. Josh Jones being traded was one of them. You, you can argue that, but, like, you have a guy that's a capable left tackle. He played pretty good left tackle. He can play, t- he can play right tackle, not as good there, can play some guard. And you were you basically gave him up for a couple of pieces of gum. Because uh, <laughs> it was and him I, and, and I. And I get the idea. I truly do. I mean, I understand what Monty Austin Fort's idea is. It's that, oh, we're not going to resign him. He's not in our long-term plan, so get something for him. But at the same time, you can't tell me that you have this similar grade on Carter O'Donnell, right? Canadian guy that played in, like, he's, I mean, he's been... On NFL teams the last two years, but he hasn't played in a game yet. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I, it was one of those four moves. Like, cutting DeAndre Hopkins. You're a worse football team when you cut DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. There, there are other reasons, and my article was not about whether that was the right move or not. But there, this offseason, the Cardinals made several moves that, were, that made the team worse football-wise. Trading Isaiah Simmons makes them a worse football team talent-wise. Maybe it, it you know, maybe culture-wise, but the, Isaiah Simmons, like, if you look at the secondary now, okay, if you go with Marco and Keytrell on the outside, Isaiah Buda and then JT in the slot, that's a stronger unit than Buda, JT in the back, and you have Antonio Hamilton playing in the slot. Like, it, that, it they just are does. worse as a football team as a result. I, I didn't, I, I'm okay with the move. It wasn't say it wasn't the right move, but that move, tr- you know, Cutting Hopkins, trading Simmons, trading Jones hurt the football on the team. And and I know people can argue with me. I still think that, and, and we'll see with with Josh Dobbs. I felt that cutting Colt McCoy also was a lesser football move. Although basically Jonathan Gannon said he was washed up, and like you can, I I'll accept an argument of that. But I just don't believe like, like I I don't believe that much in Joshua Dobbs to to think that he's a better playmaker than Colt, and so. A guy that hasn't been on your roster, hasn't taken a snap, like basically got six practices, is a better option than than an old Colt McCoy who was with the team all offseason. I I find that hard, but yeah, yeah, and it's just you know, like you said, it's tough, and it it was an like I said, I understand about getting picks and creating picks and things of that nature, but. At the same time, like you said, you're hamstringing your team, and that makes things that makes the whole tank conversation a lot more relevant, right? Because it does, it's like it you're actively saying, like, "Oh, this guy who is a better player, unequivocally a better player, um, isn't worth, or is only worth." getting something now because we're not he's not on our future plans and i get the idea he's not in your future plans i truly do understand that but at the same time you just look at it and just yeah there's it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but you know now we are on to where we're at and you have to like you said you kind of have to go with what's in front of you at this point. yeah um the other two players of note zach Ertz limited with the knee we know we know that's what the situation there is i just don't know like it it I feel like he's probably going to play in week one. I don't know how big a role he will have because that's kind of been the plan the whole time. But Hollywood Brown, Wednesday limited hamstring, Thursday limited hamstring. Are you worried that he's the Gannon's DeAndre Hopkins in terms of practice? Because Gannon has said no days off. Like, we don't give days off unless they're hurt. And so will Hollywood say, oh, my hammy, so he doesn't have to practice as much? Or do they have to do that so that he can get through, get him through a season? Yeah, and you have to wonder. It's something you and I talked about, and I can't remember exactly. I know I looked it up last year when they traded for him, and I, I, I don't remember exactly if it's that he's never gotten through a camp healthy I think that's what it was, that he's literally never gotten through an entire camp healthy. Like, I don't think he's ever been healthy heading into week one. And so it's kind of par for the course, right? Like, you know, 
that something's going to creep up as as training camp slash preseason slash the beginning of the season starts because it's happened literally every year he's been in the NFL. So it's just a matter of if he can play or not. And, you know, and that's an evaluation Monty has to make right now uh, for the future. And that's one of the things that I think is going to be really intriguing to watch because for every notion, and like we just said, like, you know, it's hard to deny the tank when you're trading away players that effectively make your team better um, in Simmons and Jones. But is a guy like Brown in their future plans? Or if this is a, if this is a thing, like you're saying like, Oh, my hammy. And then you have to take, you know, and then you're missing days of practice every week. Is that something that could get him in the, in the, okay, we're moving on pile you know, heading into next year. So it'll be really intriguing to see how this all works out because obviously we have no clarity heading into week one or heading out of year one of this regime, but it is something to watch because it's just, it just seems like this crops up at the worst time. And, and quite frankly, it does crop up every year with, with him. So there's not much, you know, you can do about it on the commander side. Terry McLaurin was limited to start the week, uh, suffered turf toe in a preseason game, but looks like he's on track to play. He was a full participant Thursday. Chase Young, though, Chase Young, you know, former top pass rusher uh, coming out of the draft, and he's got a neck injury. He's been limited both days. There is some uncertainty about playing. How I, I Now that McLaurin's in the game, I think that, without having him would have made things really interesting for for the matchup with the Cardinals how much of a difference maker do you think Chase Young is whether he makes whether he's able to play or not in that matchup against Washington I mean I think it their defense is so good that it makes a huge deal because if the Cardinals can somehow find a way to control things like not even necessarily score points but we saw in tonight's game if you're able to stay on the field, it makes a huge difference, right? And so if if ideally the, the Cardinals can find a way to control things heading into game or during this game, um, that would be a big deal. And, and you know, they're going to need a little luck on their side, like what the Lions had with a 50-yard interception return from their rookie safety, right? Like all of those things play into it. Um, and so not having Chase Young, who is a flat-out game wrecker, when he's healthy and on the field, would be big for the Arizona Cardinals because, you know, you look at it, the biggest thing, and I know people always talk about, you know, running backs don't matter, this doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. But the, the biggest thing in this game was you had – the Lions able to run the ball enough to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And so we know that the, the commander's offense isn't the Chiefs level, 
but they're going to be good. I mean, they had Terry McLaurin, um, Jahan Dotson, you know, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, like they have a good unit on that side of the ball. So if you're able to keep away from them, that's going to make a huge difference. And, and so that's what I think when you just look at it, that's going to be what matters. Um, you know, and, and you, it just makes things a little easier. Now, I think they said James Smith Williams is the guy and, and the way I've got the quote, so I don't brutalize it in this, but the way that, uh, the guys from Hogs Haven, you know, the sister side of SB Nation describes it is that is steady and stable, but unremarkable. So he's a, I mean, that describes what, like a Richard Lawrence type of player. Like if he's your, but let's be honest, if he's your fourth best defensive lineman, you're in a much better spot right? than that. So, you know, it's not to say that it will be easy, but Chase Young is their best pass rusher. So it'll just, I think it just gives them a little bit more of a chance because I think that's Jonathan Gannon's goal. I think you would agree with this. It's basically playing keep away, right? Like he, he's like, I'm, I just don't want you guys to have the ball. Like, so we're going <laughs> to run it. We're going to control the clock and, and, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, good old Logan Thomas, yes, former Arizona Cardinal, great. Him. Yeah, uh, you're not going to get the ball enough to to make plays, and and you know that a lot of times for defensive coaches and and whatnot, that's the reality. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinals talk of the way. Let's move on and talk about team and individual matchups. What what do we see coming up? We've talked a little bit already about, but that's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Seared podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web, team and individual matchups. This is a really intriguing thing because we've got a couple unknowns. Obviously, Josh Dobbs, a quarterback for the Cardinals. Sam Howell only making a second and will start, but Howell, and I'll, um, before his last year at North Carolina, had looked like an ascending type quarterback. His last year, he lost talent, um, became more of a runner, and his drop, his stock dropped. He got drafted D3. He got a late start last year, but he beat out Jacoby Brissett, who we, th- we and when, when that happened, we thought he that Brissett would end up being the starter, that he would beat out Howell. Now he's a team captain and, and won the starting job, but we don't know much about that. What let's talk individual matchups. What are the individual one-on-one type things that that you're super super intrigued to watch? Me, I've got one that I'm watching, especially now that McLaurin's in. It looks like Marco Wilson versus Terry McLaurin. How much does he line up like one-on-one? How does he handle him? And two, how do the Cardinals help him if they if that's the plan? Well, and you look at it, I think the biggest thing is, to me, that the the matchup is Eric Biennemi versus Nick Rallis and Jonathan Gannon. And how do they, because this is basically, remember, this is basically kind of a, 
a pseudo Super Bowl rematch, right? Like you have <laughs> the, it's a Super Bowl toilet bowl matchup, <laughs> right? So you have you have the enemy part of the offensive staff for the Chiefs, and and then obviously the Eagles defensive staff. So you know it'll be interesting to see how they do. And like you said, that's one of the big ones is what do they do defensively with with Wilson and and Cottrell Clark and Antonio Hamilton. Um, on those three guys, is it going to be a lot of man? Is it going to be a lot of zone? How's it going to look out? Uh, next, um, next, you have the the thing I'm looking at that like I'm really zeroing in on is I think how this team, especially up front, handles a really good defensive line because it's going to give us a glimpse into what these matchups against San Francisco are going to look like. I I think I think Washington's defensive line is probably better like 1 through 4 whereas um San Francisco's linebackers are better. But like there's not a huge disparity between the front four of of the Commanders and the 49ers. So we're going to, like you said, one, you know, you're again, you're razor thin along in terms of depth, but two, how are you going to handle these things? And how are you going to like, how, how are you going to come out and make plays against, against a, you know, one of the better defensive fronts in the NFL. They, they are strong up front. I know that Washington fans are concerned about, so they like the front, they like the back end. They're not fans of the middle with the linebacker core. Um, and so I think I do think you can take advantage of their safety duo, Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. They're they're not bad by any means, but they're not great. Uh Kendall Fuller and Emmanuel Emmanuel Forbes is a guy that I loved coming out, you know, and Kendall Fuller is a savvy veteran who's who's done a good job for a long time. But that's not the strength of the Cardinals offense either. Like so so it's kind of it's kind of tough, right? Like your strength, the the James Connor and Trey McBride show. Yeah, and so so you know, are you going to be able to? And this is where having Zach Ertz would be huge. Yes, yes. If he, if he Zach can give if the Ertz can give the Cardinals anything, like even fifty percent snaps on or forty percent of snaps on offense and and make a few catches, he he's he's another receiving weapon. Uh, McBride is is like Ertz is an is an okay block. Like he's he's a willing blocker, but he doesn't add much to the run game. Um, McBride, if he's not making mental mistakes, is is it more of the traditional, you know, two way tight end. But especially when when you've got the quarterback who's playing, having Ertz that another receiving option at least on nearly half the plays would be a big time thing because then then you could have like a tight end running back show with Connor and Ertz and McBride yeah and that's I mean that's the that is the idea behind it and this type of offense that's what they want to do I mean that's that's where this offense is built you have that with deep shot potential with with Marquise Brown right and then you have a, a big physical uh possession guy in, in terms of of michael wilson and so like it creates matchup opportunities it's just are is there a quarterback that can take advantage of those and is there a quarterback that can 
give them enough problems that they have to respect the quarterback. Right. And those yeah. are, those are the questions. And I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest, that's, that's the biggest matchup. Whoever the quarterback Josh Jobs is, um, can they do enough or can he do enough to get Washington to play it, you know, or to respect them and, and take advantage. And, you know, through his career, the answer has been no, right? Like, I mean, we, <laughs> you and I have to be honest as well. And the, the, if the people talking about Josh Dobbs breakouts, he's stop, stop that. Stop. Please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't like as much Kool-Aid as I have drunk over the years of Cardinals football for the last 30 years. I think I finally realized you can't get excited about a guy like Josh Dobbs. You can only yeah, hope it, he doesn't mess it up. Well, and so let me ask you this. I'm not overly impressed with their offensive line. Um, you know, Charles Leno, Sadiq Charles, Nick Gates, Sam Cosme, who I liked, and Andrew Wiley, who, you know, the Chiefs desperately wanted to replace. Leno's a guy that struggled in, in, while he was in Chicago. Um, but again, is there enough talent along the defensive front to give them a hard time? Now, I will say I've been pleasantly surprised in the preseason, and that's how we have to preface this, right? The preseason with how the upfront trio of, of uh, Collier, Ledbetter, Collier, Foto and Ledbetter have looked with Zavin on the edge or, or, you know, but is, is that going to, you know, show itself in game one? And again, this is what makes game one intriguing and exciting because there is still that slight hope of, oh, maybe they can do it. Yeah, um, yeah. I like as well, Montez Sweat, I think, will be matched up mostly against Paris Johnson. So that'll be, an, that'll be, especially if uh, Chase Young can't play, that matchup will be fun to watch, I think. Uh, you've got a pretty good player in Montez Sweat against a promising young guy in Paris Johnson who's, you know, if you like what he did in the preseason, didn't play a lot, but like what we saw from Paris Johnson, there were no there were no glaring mistakes. It was just kind of like I go back. Remember what we wanted Jonathan Cooper to be at guard. Right. Paris is doing that at right tackle. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's what you're excited to see, and that's you know that would be against Chase Young. So now it's against James Smith Williams that you know kind of makes his matchup. A little bit easier, right? <laughs> Let's go position-wise. Quarterback, you would say Washington has the edge, right? It's not a big edge; might be a big edge, but you definitely give you get definitely give Washington the quarterback edge, right? Yeah, definitely. Running back, I like Brian Robinson. I think he played well after his you know unfortunate uh, shooting last year, but I mean he's got less than eight hundred yards in his career. Um, would you say maybe a wash or slight edge to the Cardinals? I would give an edge to Connor and the Cardinals, like that. And that's that's not being a homer in any way. That's just you know I think that's just what it is. 
I think the obviously the receiving core you you give to Washington. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, tight end though, like if if Ertz is healthy enough to play, you know you've got Thomas and Cole Turner for Washington. You've got Ertz and McBride. That that might be a wash, wouldn't it be? I think you can even lean slightly Cardinals on that, um, but you know, I, a wash is probably fair. I think the Cardinals' offensive line is a better offensive line than the than Washington's, based on what I'm hearing from Washington people. But the 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 matchup, like you say, O line versus D line, I don't know. Because the the perceived weakness of the Cardinals' defensive line against their, against Washington's offensive line, I think probably like the the O line D line matchup, the trenches matchup, I, I I would give Washington the edge. Even that's because we just don't know enough about the Cardinals' D line. Right, and that's the thing is like you have arguably the best one through four if chase young is out there in the nfl um their front four is just i mean montez sweat would i mean literally any of their players <laughs> it would replace would be, any of the cardinals right, players right like all of them are better than the all of best them. <laughs> cardinals player like yeah and that's not a shot at the cardinals players like i think collier's in for a nice rebound career rebound type of year but like pain allen and sweat even without young are phenomenal so uh yeah so that's i mean that's head and shoulders to me the the biggest disparity in this entire thing because even with like the wide receivers like number ones mclaurin's better than hollywood but like it's close enough and then you know dotson had a good rookie season and Curtis Samuel's kind of been disappointing in his career, you know, uh, but it's not like either of them are, have been uh, phenomenal, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, and last year, I, I mean, Curtis had, or sorry, two years ago, he held only 27 yards last year, only had 656 yards. So it's not like Curtis has been great. And then last year Dotson only had 523 yards. So like, you know, they're very good very good and their upsides way ahead of the cardinals but what has actually been produced is a lot closer whereas the defensive side yeah it's not close like there's there's no question but i am interested because the linebackers what are your what are your thoughts on that because i think the presence of kaiser i think gives the cardinals the edge i think i would give kaiser plus Josh Woods, he's an unknown, but the, just the fact I think that Kaiser's the best of the linebackers in the game, I'll give that edge slightly to the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that's fair. In corners, I think you have to give Washington the edge, but the Cardinals have the edge of safety. So the coaching, you know, the coaching intangibles, I, we, they're hard to measure. We don't know about Jonathan Gannon yet. We know that Ron Rivera is a great leader amid football teams. Um, he is the well, modern so, day Jeff so Fisher. I I don't know what you asked or what you guys discussed, um, 
But when I asked my guy, um, I asked what the expectations are. I mean, it's year four. What are the expectations? And Ron, you kind of hit it. Ron, in 12 seasons of coaching, has three winning seasons. Three. But what? Was it like five five division championships? Yeah. Because he's won won two divisions with losing records. Right. He got them to the playoffs at 7-9 and in 2020. And then... He went seven and ten and eight, eight and one, um, and so that's what I asked. I was like, "What are the expectations?" And they said, "And he said they either get to the playoffs or he's out." Because you got to remember, this is a new ownership group, right? Like, yeah. this is this is, and and that was one of the big things to me, and and one of the kind of underrated aspects of this entire thing is that you've got a really high level of enthusiasm for the commanders for the first time in probably 20 years. Yes, but it's not football optimism. <laughs> well, I think it's football optimism in the sense that they f- they feel like this could be... They're, they're finally in the right direction. It would be... Right. I- imagine Cardinals fans, and what Daniel Snyder did is so much worse than what Michael Bidwell has done. A different and, But imagine if Bidwell sold the team. Cardinals fans would be elated. And not because of the football play on the field. It would be because of the hope of what can come on the it's football field later. And so I wonder how much of that is a factor in, in week one, positive and negative, because sometimes you can come out too hyped up, and if you don't, and if you, you know too much too fast and it doesn't work all of a sudden you, you know you've got to you re-energize and things like that or like if something goes wrong you know sam how throws a pick six and all of a sudden you're down seven nothing in the second quarter and all of a sudden it's like oh you know like that those are all like little factors but it also could be a terrible thing for the cardinals where they come out just revved up and they're like hey we're just gonna blow the roof off this place because like <laughs> We're finally out from under the the Snyder rule, and that's that's a, I mean that's a big thing. Yeah, yes, totally. Coming on next on Rise of Sea Red Podcast, Mister Cardinals talking about. Let's talk about keys to the game, key players, and make our game predictions. That's coming on next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, Mister Cardinals talk on the web. We've talked a little about some, but for me, the players who I need to, I, I think that the players who need to excel, that need to be markedly good, is we need a good James Conner game. We need a collective good offensive line game. I think Zaven Collins is a key player because of the, the, the newness on the edge, and then we need a really good performance from Marco Wilson. And if those guys play, and, and for me, and then Josh Jobs, just don't screw it up. Don't screw it up and make a play or two. Like if, if we can get if, if he can play, don't give the ball away and make a play or two, I think that's like what will give them a chance. Yeah, and that's the big things. Uh, you know, I think you hit a lot of them on the head. Like how does how does Marco match up with McLaurin? And then, you know, can Zaven create a pass rush, you know, and even if it's Zavin and Col- 
Collier. Can they create a pass rush consistently? Um, those are two big questions. And then I think the offensive line, obviously we've espoused the the virtues and, and greatness of the Washington front four. So the offensive line is a given, but, you know, is that something that they can take advantage of or is it something that they can get a stalemate on and, you know, and then that leans towards the Cardinals favor? Like those are all questions. But I think for me, the biggest one is, it's going to be can Connor and the tight ends, like we talked about earlier, create problems on for those linebackers and safeties because that is where they are the weakest. They, you know, Jamin Davis has been okay. Um, you know, uh, Cody Barton's not bad, and Kaliki Hudson is is really you know. There's, I think they would ideally not be playing him if they you know had their had their druthers basically, uh, but it's that's just not the way it's working out for him. You know, Barton's a, a great kind of volume guy who who does a nice job on the inside. And Davis, you know, he's been fine, but he has he he like the Cardinals first round picks hasn't necessarily lived up to billing. And a lot of people question that pick it, that year when he came out, right? Like it was. Were, I, I remember that was. I, I know he was a kind of a sleeper first round pick, and he ended up being. But like the program he played at, you had to wonder like, is he going to be that? Is like, like the kids say, is he going to be him? No, he, he, yeah. That was it, and like this is why you don't draft off-ball linebackers in the first round unless they are absolutely special. You know, Mike Parsons. You know, guys like that. <laughs> and Devin right. White, um, players like that. It's just it's the, the number of just decently good players or or just solid players when you at that position you just have to be they have to be better right if you if they're gonna be first round picks they got to be better than that yeah and and they need to be consistently you know impacting the game in a strong way and and i think he looked at him as a potential you know um who was the guy there for uh for and and Carolina, I can't remember his name now, and, and now Shaq they got Thompson Shaq Thompson. And, Shaq yeah. Thompson's there now. Thomas David, yeah. you know, they were hoping he'd be, you know, Thomas David, and he just didn't live up to it. And he's he's closer to Shaq Thompson, who's not bad. Again, like a good football player, but those guys were, were just never worth the the first round billing that they were they were taken at. Obviously, uh, you know, as Cardinals fans, we know far too much about that so uh, <laughs> but i think that's where i think that's where they can take advantage uh you know and, and where they can win the game like like you said like between Ertz, mcbride and connor that that trio can outplay hudson barton davis curl and forest and and so that'll be what's intriguing to watch and how it works out and so how many mistakes so can the cardinals compete in this game with any giveaways. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing, right? Uh or will they, they do they does will the defense have to take the ball away if the offense gives the ball away? Well, I yeah, they're going to have to I mean even if they don't give the ball away, 
they're going to have to make plays uh, that creates a that creates plays for for the offense that I think we're going to see that all season like it's just going to be something that has to happen and you know to go back to how we started the show kind of and looking at the at the Lions Chiefs game um you look at what the Lions were able to do and they didn't turn the ball over and the Chiefs did and that I mean that's literally the difference in the game now Again, I, I I don't think you and I think that the the Lions are uh, or the Cardinals are on the same level as the Lions right now. <laughs> no, no. But that's going to be the key, right? Like causing, creating turnovers, and, and controlling the ball. Um, those are those are two huge, huge uh, factors in this game, and you know whether or not the Cardinals turn the ball over. You know, if if let's put it this way, if the Cardinals turn the ball over, it's going to be ugly. If the Cardinals don't turn the ball over, but they don't cause turnovers, it's it'll be ugly be, a different way. It's not going to be. <laughs> it won't be ugly as much as it will be. It'll still be. I don't want to oversell it and say it's going to be like too bad, but I think it'll be. I think it'll be. You know, like a. a two score victory whereas if the cardinals don't turn the ball over and and create turnovers they may have a minute chance to win the game (laughs) yeah i kind of see that espn's mike clay projected two things um about this about this match it wasn't even about this matchup but his projections and his model, what he used, projects that the that the Commanders will have the worst scoring offensively, 18.2 points a game, and that the Cardinals will be two points off of the worst scoring defense of the league, given the 458 points, uh, like 27 points a game, uh, which makes this matchup really bad, because if the Cardinals slow the Washington offense, is it their defense or is it the Washington offense? And if Washington scores a lot, is it their offense or is it the Cardinals' defense? Now, limited snaps, limited reps in the preseason with the starters on and on defense gave us a little bit of optimism because the starting unit... Now, I, I know you have to sustain that through games. So you've got fatigue and you got all that, but suggests that perhaps this unit will be better than expected and against a quarterback, I don't believe, I, I don't have the belief in Sam Howell that some people do. I, I, I need to see it first. And so while and I, I think, think that's something that's under discussed is people are just assuming Sam Howell plus Cardinals defense equals huge game for Sam Howell. I think this game's going to be a, a sludge match. And so if you're making a prediction, do you think that the line is seven points? Do you think the Cardinals can cover like reasonable prediction? Can the Cardinals cover? Um, I have them not covering, but I think it's close in the sense that like, I think they lose by 10 or so, mm-hmm. but so like I could see something like 21 to, to 10 type of score. Yes. I just, I've got to see this offense like before <laughs> I can really say anything. Well, that's, and that's, I don't think the Cardinals like even, 
I, I have I think the Cardinals cover the spread in this game because I think their defense will be okay, but the offense won't do much at all. You know, but they might get a player too. So I, I'm I think ten to thirteen points for the Cardinals. And I have sixteen or seventeen points for the for the commanders. I'm I'm thinking sixteen ten or a seventeen thirteen, you know, just nearly unwatchable type of game but like if you're Dan Campbell and and Jonathan Gannon per, per, maybe you love that sort of game because of uh, you know brings you back to 1995 smash mouth slow play you know conservative football which you know Ron Rivera has been known for um the Cardinals have to like they have to play like that because you, you can't have Joshua Dobbs slinging the ball around like he's a franchise quarterback. So, you know, I think the Cardinals can cover. I think, like, it, the line in the the one bet to make for every game that, that we wrote for, for my whole network, my bet was the under in this game. And the under is already, the projected total is 38 points, which is the lowest projected total in the entire weekend of all 16 NFL games. And I think the Cardinals well, still hit. I think it's it's the under in that game. Well, and I said like even me, if they don't cover, I have it only getting to thirty one. So like, yeah, I'm with you. And you have to remember too. There's, I know this is kind of a cop out, but there, there's usually a one way or the other on these lines or like the over unders. Like you either get that it's a really, it's a really good line in the sense of like like look at again look at the game tonight 52 and a half 54 and a half whatever it was there was 41 yeah um you know and so usually what happens is you get like they're off by about 10 one way or the other so it's like (laughs) and so it's like a 28 point game or it's a 48 point game. Cause they still don't know either. Right. Like they're still trying to figure things out. Yeah. Especially week one lines. They're, they're really odd, but I don't like, could they win? I mean, sure. I just, I, I don't give them much of a chance of winning at all in this game because of how tough Washington is up front and the, the lack of belief yeah. that I have in, in Dobbs as a playmaker. I mean, sure, he's got a better arm than Colt McCoy. I just I don't believe he's a better playmaker still. And so I, ultimately, I think they will struggle offensively. But I think their defense will be scrappy enough that will get by and they'll be in. Like, it'll look like they're in the game, even though they're not really in the game. You remember the, was it the end of 2020 Cardinals? Or even at the end of 2021 Cardinals that year, like, but 2020 in particular, like, oh, or even 2018, like, Detroit scored like 11 points, and you're like, well, the, the this is over, and so it, while the Cardinals might be, it might be a one score game, it's never one that they are in control of, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So I've got 16 to 10 or 17 to 13. You've got 21, 10-ish, right? Yeah, right around Both there. going under. Um, yeah, that, that'll wrap up this edition of the show. I mean, we will have the – we've got the, the Jess and Seth preview of this game. Um, Saturday, I will drop the, the show that I have an interview with Brian Manny over Commander's Wire. 
So we'll get an, a preview with an opponent writer, so kind of the behind enemy lies. And that's, I think that's going to be the format we'll move forward where game review on one, Seth and I preview the next game, and then I will preview the game with someone who covers the other team. And so we'll kind of go with that. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jesser. This is the Rise of Red Podcast. We'll have another show dropping on Saturday, and then we get real football. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red.